13 businesses, a multi-millionaire, and a car collection. That's pure fantasy. All from a guy who's never thought about entrepreneurship until one single revelation hit him on a trip to the Amazon jungle. Do you think there's such a thing as a natural-born entrepreneur? I think you can become a natural. When I grew up, we didn't have a lot at all. That's definitely the most profitable out of my portfolio. Do you think anyone then can make a million dollars? 100%. Abdullah, it's good to meet you, my friend. Hey, good to meet you, Paul. Yeah, let's dive into it, because you have a beautiful house, you have absolutely gorgeous cars. <laughs> Tell us how you can afford all this cool stuff. Business, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, growing businesses, expanding, mm -hmm. and in some ways diversifying is the way I made it happen. How many total businesses do you have? I'd say about 13, give or take one or 13 two. 13 businesses? <laughs> Can you break it down as far as what each business does? I've got some medical practices, but then I also have diversified into real estate development, entertainment, I've got a rooftop lounge, I've got a limousine company, I've got a mechanic shop, I've got a Botox and filler company, and there's probably one or two more I can't think of right now. <laughs> There you go. Well, let's go take a look at your house, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, I'll follow you in. in. I'll show yeah. you guys around. Take us back to your childhood. Who was Abdullah Kudrath? My family is from Guyana. Guyana is a country in South America. Now, I actually wasn't even born there. My dad was studying at a hospital in Baghdad, in Iraq. And while there, they were stuck there for a little longer than anticipated because of some war that was going on between mm -hmm. some neighboring countries. So I was born in Baghdad. But of course, because of the conflict, my dad didn't want to stay there very long. So as soon as he was done with his schooling, we moved to New Jersey. And then after about a, a couple years over there, when I was in middle school, my parents wanted to get away from the snow and the ice. So we had some friends in Houston and they said, well, come out here. It never really snows out here. So they packed everything they had in the van and we moved out here and started fresh. Entrepreneurs built or born? Later in this episode, Abdullah tackles the subject of natural-born entrepreneurs. Are you wired for success? Well, stick around to find out. I'm excited to go and take a look at other business ventures that you have. Where are you gonna take us next? Let's take a look at the warehouse and the lounge. Absolutely. We can talk about some of the toys and we can see that mechanic shop operation. I'm excited. Let's jump into your Sprinter van. All right, so before we head to the warehouse and check out more cars, dive deeper into this interview, why get the minivan? Uh, tell us a little bit about what it costs as opposed to a limo. Yeah, I, I chose the van because it's a little bit more space. It was a great asset I could capitalize on. I can't use it every day. Why let it sit? Why not create a company, advertise for it, and have it make money with our driver That's smart. when I'm not using it? Yeah. You have this van and then you have the rolls right, that, that are serving as the fleet. Exactly. So in, they'll stay busy enough to generate some income and Pretty create a job or two for somebody. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to the warehouse. Tell us a little bit about this place. This is my warehouse. You're going to see some of my cool toys, some of the projects we're working on, and uh, one of the companies, which is a mechanic shop. It just started as a place to park and hang out with my good buddy. We bought this building together so we can wow. hold our cars, and it's evolved over the years. Do you think people limit themselves in terms of what they can accomplish in life, and how do they overcome that mindset? Well, I think about this a lot because when I grew up in New Jersey with my family, we didn't have a, have a lot at all. You, you gotta have extra money to buy toys, right? Yeah. But we had an imagination. We play tag with each other. We pretend uh, something is something else. A flashlight could be a Batmobile, whatever you want <laughs> it to be, right? Yeah. 
So I was wonder, how did my father not allow me to be mentally constrained and think that certain things are not for me? I think it's because he always taught me. Well, it wasn't about money to begin with. It was about seeking knowledge and about doing the right thing. Interesting, okay. And fulfilling responsibilities. And I think if you always fulfill your responsibilities, you keep growing and growing as a leader. You start excelling in your career. So it's a process. As long as you don't set a limit to yourself, which I think is very, very common. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that holds some people back, as they're always trying to make excuses on why other people have success and always blaming something on other than themselves on why they're not progressing in life. Some people have it harder than others. I'm not taking away from that, Yeah. right? Yeah. I've been fortunate that I didn't have massive catastrophe early in my life, but from wherever you are, there's always one way to go and you can move up. Yeah. And I think by removing any limitations on yourself, you can get there. How long did it take for you to make your first million net? Well, honestly, I would say 34 years of age. 34. Right? Because mm -hmm. I think all you of got that a point there, so important. elaborate. Yeah. But specifically from the moment I decided I wanted to do business and, and, and start moving in that direction, two and a half years of some pretty solid work. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is after I graduated medical training. Yeah. Took a year of planning and, and architectural drawings and getting a loan, then a year of making sure the company runs well grinding and working to save cost. And then a little bit after that, then we started seeing some net profits. And then I could start seeing some fruits of that labor. Your parents were a big mentorship role for you uh, as you were growing up. But were there other mentors in your life that have helped you get to where you are today? There's always a mentor in everywhere you're standing. Today, I have mm -hmm. my mechanics working. He mentors me on how these engines work and how I can fix them. How I can save money when I, when I go and purchase another car and inspect it correctly. But as far as business goes, I actually didn't have a whole lot of business mentorship. Nobody in my family had owned and operated businesses. So I had to go outside the family and find people who were doing the sum of the parts and learn from that and then put it all together. As far as specific business mentors, coaches, what's your advice on our viewers starting in the business to find them? I think you have to start with finding something to learn in every situation and from every person. But here's, here's an important point. Sometimes people will go up to somebody and be like, they just want to learn and take from that person, mm -hmm. right? You all have something to offer, right? If you're a kind person and you're, you don't have to give, spend money, but if you can make somebody's life easier, you can trade. Like, hey, I'm good at fixing computers and I know they're a successful business person. They're probably gonna drop some knowledge on me. So you can find ways to ask questions in the wild and not just say, hey, can you mentor me? That's too open-ended. And, and if, if I'm a busy person, I can't mentor everybody, yeah, yeah. right? But in little micro interactions, if you ask me certain questions or you notice certain things, I can give you knowledge and then you can move on to the next mentor, the mm -hmm. next mentor. But I think it's really important to, to seek them out and have an open mind that you can learn from everybody. Yeah, I really like going back to what you said is like everybody around you is, is potentially your mentor. You can learn something from that person. I think that's really well said. Building 13 businesses is no small feat. How does he find winning ideas? Keep your eyes peeled to the screen to find out all about that. All right, so we are at this incredibly good looking bar. Tell us a little bit about it, uh, when it opened up and anything else you wanna highlight. Yeah, this is called Reset Rooftop Lounge. Houston, Texas. That's right. We've opened up only a few months ago. And so far it's been great. What we wanted to do is create a place that has the right ambiance. So it's got an upscale vibe to it, great sound system, good lights. And the best part of all is this view. You can't beat it's the gorgeous. view of the Houston skyline. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many square feet are we talking about here? The inside is about 4,000 square feet. And then we have another 1,300 on the patio. I get people who want to come out here, have a business meeting, mm -hmm. have a cocktail. We don't just turn up at night as a club. We also have that happy hour for people to network. 
Absolutely. Which I've got to meet a lot of interesting people through that. You didn't really have a game plan in college, right? That's At right. first. That's right. At which point did you have an aha moment when you realized, I don't know where I'm going, here's where I will go. Like what inspired you, who, what, what experience? What I had to do was I had to stop distracting myself. I was having a little bit too much fun, just cruising around in my motorcycle with my friends, staying up late, playing video games. Changing my life, doing some soul searching, allowed me to focus on the question, what to do next? I got out of my comfort zone, I did some traveling, I went to the Amazon jungle, it was a random trip with some researchers. Mm -hmm. And from there I got fascinated with biology and the study of life. And I think that paved the way for me to then decide I wanted to learn about being a doctor, how humans work, how we break and how we can fix it. So what's the biggest benefit of traveling as an entrepreneur? Because you went to what, the Amazon jungle? Where else have you been? Talk to us about the experience. I think you just start seeing the world from a bigger point of view. You start seeing not just individual interactions, you start seeing neighborhoods, cultures, people, countries, systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And you learn from everybody along the way. And sometimes when you learn from somebody with a different perspective, that helps challenge and open up your mind. Was the trip to Amazonia due to the medical aspect of things? Or as you said, research, what, what, yeah. what is that all about? So actually this is long before I decided I want to be a doctor. Oh, this wow, okay. was a group of ecologists mm -hmm. who did research on some trees and some landforms. And I said, sure, I'll go. That's Make so a man cool. out of me, find out what I'm afraid of. <laughs> when you hear you are, you know, your own location, I, I think, man, that's a lot of money, right? So give us a quick insight into how much it was to start your first ER location and break down the cost how you financed it, cash as opposed to banks, who helped and, and whatnot. The total cost, materials have risen, but back then it was about two and a half million dollars is what I needed to start. So I had to get that financed. Now, to get it financed, you have to have your plan, you've gotta have your construction agreement, and I had to show some capital on my end. So what I did was, to get that capital, I really didn't buy anything for about a year and a half, and I worked almost every single day. As an employee somewhere else? Yeah, right? as a, just okay. as a doctor going yep. to all over Texas, whenever somebody needed a doctor last minute, and they're willing to pay a little bit more because of the last minute shift they needed filled. So most months I worked 28 or 30 days out of the month. It was a lot of work, but I knew that I needed to get this done as quick as possible. So I was able to generate a lot of money. Instead of spending it on myself or repaying the student loans at the time, I decided it would be more calculated to take that money, put it as capital to leverage to that loan, and go ahead and get started on that first business project. I like that. So you mentioned earlier that you don't consume alcohol, correct? I haven't tried it yet. Gotcha, which is a great thing, I think, to commit to. So the natural person, I think, would ask, well, why in the world open up a bar? <laughs> you know, tell us that story. What was the motivation behind it? And what did it cost you to get going? But it wasn't about opening a bar, per se. It was about mm -hmm. having a venue. It's about being a host. So I really like the idea of having a place where people can come, have events. So I get to know people that I wouldn't have just got to know from my medical profession. Mm -hmm. How much did it cost you to get this place going? At least it's probably about 16,000 per month. The build out cost about 550 to 600,000. And then there's a lot of equipment because we do have a premium sound system and some really cool lights. Mm -hmm. Did you finance a portion of that? I know you said there's some partners involved. Did you guys just pull the cash in and make it happen? Um, no, this was uh, all personally financed. This time with AK. Thanks guys for submitting your questions. Let's dive into it from Tom. Is he a car flipper? Passion turned into business? Question mark. I haven't started flipping cars yet. I actually have been holding on to them because all of them are going up in value. Shark Dog is asking, how did you gain the confidence to take that first step to risk it all and go on your own? Just I think you have to learn to avoid fear because fear will paralyze you. What is the app you can't live without? Spotify. 
I right. think music increases my uh, my experience of driving, of working out. What's the genre that's your favorite? My all-time go-to favorite is like 90s dance music. All right. Which is funny because I see a lot of new TikTok videos remixing and mashing up those old songs. So yeah. my style's coming back. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon <laughs> says. The most overrated business advice you've heard, what is it? Work hard without any details on how to work harder, how to work smarter, and what does that really mean? Because we mm -hmm. all know we got to work hard, but sometimes we need more than that to direct ourselves. The uh, country you want to visit but haven't yet? Japan. All right. Japan is top of my list. Last one, if you could have dinner with anyone from history or now, who would it be and why? I would say Benjamin Franklin, definitely. Not only was he super intelligent and invented and discovered a bunch of things, but most of all, he was, I think, one of the world's best diplomats. And because people respected him, he could bring everyone to the table, the French, the British, the Americans, mm -hmm. and they would come out of respect for him and they would listen to what he had to say and he would mediate conflict. A professional online presence is very crucial for growing a business today in any industry. The good news is you don't need tech knowledge or a big fancy budget to have a fantastic website. All you need is durable. Durable is the fastest way to turn your skills into revenue, allowing you to generate a business website in just 30 seconds and customizing it with easy design tools. Add Google reviews, testimonials, social feeds, contact forms, and tons more with just a few clicks. In a few minutes, you can have a robust and polished website that's ready to attract customers, no coding skills required. Every durable account comes with features to grow and manage your business, including marketing tools, invoicing, and an AI-powered CRM for managing your customers. Best of all, it's free to publish your website and start booking jobs. Head over to durable.co today to get started. What are some lessons and challenges uh, as, as you were faced with them in starting new businesses? I know there's a lot that you've started. What do you wanna talk about besides the ER maybe, because we've touched on that a little bit. If you do diversify, you have to learn new insights about that new business and you have to control your ego because since you were really successful in one business, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're automatically going to be successful in the other. Because you might be the boss, you might be the owner, and you hired a manager for this, a logistics manager, a bookkeeper. You're actually going to learn from them and they trust you to put it all together. So it's okay to not know certain things. Mm -hmm. So if I want to go from one industry to another, which you've done multiple times, did you learn from other people that you brought on your team or did you go to other resources to understand and practice and so on? Yeah, this is another skill to learn because if I'm hiring an operator, I may not be able to know they might sell it to me that they're a really good operator mm -hmm. or they're really good at this job, but I have no idea to, to evaluate that because I've never done it before. So you have to mitigate your risk. Sometimes you put people on a 60 or 90 day trial. Yeah. So you can kind of watch and observe and you know if it's working or not working by looking at the numbers. And then you can make a decision on if you should stay with this person or if it's time to move on. But when it's time to move on, you would have learned so many insights that when you hire the next person, you'll do a much better job. But if I can't hire someone and I do want to venture off into another industry, what are my options? Well, then you got to have a lot of time because you're going to be putting, yeah. putting in a lot of sweat equity. You're going to be doing it all yourself. I'm at the point where I couldn't run every single business day in and day out, it's mm -hmm. not possible. I need to have structures and people in place to where I can help them get the job done and supervise it and kind of change the direction. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a good operator, mm. that's you. So you have to learn it, figure it out and jump in. Yeah, okay, makes sense. If you had to simplify the roadmap for someone to make their first million dollars, what would it be? Man, that's, that's a tricky one. 
it did take me years to figure some things out, but I would say to simplify it, just find your passion, find your area of expertise or insight. If you don't have one, read, 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 submerge yourself with something that you like. But then imagine yourself doing it and then go to somebody who you see that's already doing it and observe everything that they're doing and start filling in the gaps of knowledge that you think you might need for when you actually pull the trigger and start your own company so that you can expand your knowledge base and decrease your risk. And when you're ready to pull the trigger, hopefully you've either saved enough to have the capital to start it or have built a network of people that trust you that would be willing to invest in you. What's the percentage of your day as far as working on the businesses or working in the businesses? I think it's evolved over time. At first it was almost 100% working in the business. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably like 80 to 90% working on the business. How long has it been since the first business started? Seven or eight years now. Seven, eight. Mm -hmm. People say, hey man, you're doing too much, you're working too hard. But if you love it, it doesn't feel that way to you. Yeah, yeah, when I met you, I mean, you know, looking at everything you've got, it doesn't feel like you're a stressed out dude who's got way too much in his head. It's just living life and enjoying every moment of it. Yeah, um, what I learned is the more you take on, the more your stress levels go down because you start getting a little bit stronger. It's like lifting weight. The mm -hmm. more you lift, the next day and the next day, you can actually do more point. and more. You challenge yourself a little bit, you find more efficient ways to handle it all. Gotcha. Are you guys inspired by Abdullah's success? If you want to start your business, grow it and scale it to millions, head over to upflip.com to gain access to the ultimate business playbook. Let me ask you about the first location, uh, the ER location, right? Two and a half million invested to get that going. You went to the bank to get that loan. The question that I have, and I think a lot of people want to know is, how did you convince the loan officer to believe in what you wanted to do? Because you went to one bank, got rejected, correct? That's right. You went to the other, they believed in you, something was different, and then things started moving forward. That's right. Talk to us about that. For the first bank, I didn't get involved enough. I sent them the information, we talked about it over the phone, but that was it. You have to get involved, especially when you're new, because they have to believe in you. So I had to make sure all my business plan paperwork was in line, my numbers made sense, and then I drove the loan officer to the place where uh -huh. I wanted to build the ER. I showed him the community. We, we looked at the houses, we looked at the numbers for the, the demographics. We looked at the neighboring competition and said, look, they see this many patients per year. If I only see this many, we can make this work. Out of all the businesses that you run, which are the most profitable and which are the least profitable? I would say since I've been doing medical for a lot longer, so for eight years almost now, that's definitely the most profitable out of my portfolio. Makes sense. And then some other companies I have that were good opportunities, they make great jobs for other people, but they don't necessarily make a lot of money for me. For example, I've created an, an office space company where people can rent out some office space from a, a big unit, but I like keeping it going because it's also expanding my network. Talk to us about diversification. How important do you think it is for entrepreneurs to be just well diversified? Because you are clearly good at that. <laughs> I think in life, it's good to be diversified. Keep your hobbies and your interests. Don't just be focused on one thing. But when it comes to business, it's not very important at all to diversify. Sometimes it's best to focus on that one business until it's really successful. And then if you, if you feel like you want to tackle something new and for your own personal growth, or if you're in a volatile market that you don't think is gonna last 10, 20, 30 years, then it becomes important to diversify because mm -hmm. now you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Right. So your limo company 
was born out of an idea and a thought, hmm, I, I've got all these toys. I want to utilize them because they're standing most of the time. Walk us through the evolution of your mind and how you came to create this particular business. And a friend of mine who used to work for a limo company mm -hmm. understood logistics, understood the business, and I said, hey, here's an opportunity. Why don't you take control of the van? Let's um, get the right insurance, get the, the contract driver. You gave driver. him the lead. Exactly. And I said, and I'll give you X percent of the company. It ends up working for everybody because I get to capitalize on an asset that was otherwise sitting there, mm -hmm. and he gets to make money off an asset that he didn't even have to buy. Right? Win win. So if you're out there and you have friends, you can actually start learning that maybe they're so busy with this that they don't have time for this. But maybe hmm. that fits your space. That's a really good They've point. got a house that they don't even use, but maybe two weekends out of the year. So then you can approach your friend and say, hey, I noticed you have this. I can make us money out of this. Let me list it on an uh, online listing page. I'll do I'll, it for I'll, you. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll handle the rentals. I'll coordinate the cleaning. I'll go and deal with the clients. I'll go and inspect it every time. I'll make sure your stuff is safe. And that way you can make some money off of it and then I can make some money. I'll take and, and learn how to structure a deal. Say, look, just give me 30% of that. Whatever mm -hmm. you can negotiate and I'll handle that. Now, you didn't have to spend $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 on a house, but you're helping your friend make money, your contact make money, and you're making money. Yeah. How much did the van cost you when you got this guy? I probably paid maybe one twenty-five for it. And of course, when it's a company van, you get some tax savings on depreciation yeah, and wear yeah. and tear. So how much can one van produce revenue-wise before expenses and everything, you think? What, what have you been averaging? Probably about five to $10,000 off of just one van. Per month? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, that's, and that's at a moderate pace. Yeah. But we can maximize that even more. So how many total cars do you have? And we'll take a look, obviously, at all of them as, as much as possible. But what do you think? How many total cars? It's, it's kind of embarrassing because yeah. it's become a little bit of an addiction. Uh-oh. <laughs> but when I buy cars, I always buy cars that I can make money on. Mm -hmm. Meaning I buy them for a great price and I know what the value is or what it's going to be. But I've got 19 cars, a tank, a motorcycle, and a hovercraft. A hovercraft? <laughs> Which one's your favorite? Like when you wake up and you're like, man, I, have, I just want to go drive a car. Which one do you think of first? Man, it's hard to call one a favorite because each car has a different personality to me. But if, if I had to get rid of all but one, yeah. I'd probably keep this one. Okay, what it's, is this thing? Tell us a little bit about it. This is the Lamborghini Murcielago. What year? This is 2006. This is when Lamborghini, they consider this the last of the true Italian Oh really? Lamborghinis wow. Because after they added some German engineering. But when I was in so this junior high and high school, this was my dream car. Awesome. I find myself wanting to listen to the music that mm -hmm. I listened to back then and just cruising around the night with it. That's crazy. So are you buying them used, brand new, a little bit of both? I don't really care about having the newest car. I like a car that has personality and has a certain type of drive. Nice. And then if I'm gonna have 19 cars or more, I gotta think ahead. And if it's always growing in value, it's a solid investment. Absolutely. What are some misconceptions about being an entrepreneur? What, what do you wanna to touch on? Misconceptions. Everybody looking, thinking, oh, it's easy, he's got a ton of money, all these cars, but I know we've hoed in on some of the dark sides. What else can you speak to that part, like the misconceptions part? Yeah, because I think with social media, people see what you might post. I love cars, so if I'm working on a car, I post on a, a car. I don't always post boring, grind stuff. So I think sometimes people get a skewed view of what your life is. They think you're just always doing the fun stuff, but that's really a few minutes or an hour of the day in most days. And then you've got all the other hours where you're just working. What was your goal and vision, like just from from the get go? What what drove you? What drives you today? Obviously, it's not money. <laughs> no money. My dad used to always say, "Money is a tool. It's a tool to accomplish something." Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to accomplish things, right? Mm -hmm. Even yeah, we talked what... about the way I buy cars. 
I don't blow money on cars. All my cars are making me money because they're good investments. Mm -hmm. So if I can build systems and organizations to employ other people, if I can keep developing myself, then I can hopefully make an impact the way I want to do it. You mm -hmm. know, I, I've done medical work in other countries. I really enjoy that. But as one man treating so many people, then when I leave, then what happens? But if, if I can build organizations that can last longer than me, then I feel like I've made more of an impact. Yeah. Do you think there's such a thing as a natural born entrepreneur? I think you can become a natural. There's so many things outside of your hand, right? Yeah. You don't pick your parents, you don't pick your environment, you don't pick the country you're born in, the opportunities, the limitations. Mm -hmm. And it's too complicated of an equation to understand well what makes us who we are, mm -hmm. right? I think we're all like a piece of clay that's still moldable. Maybe you haven't been born at just the right piece to roll down the hill the right way. Maybe you're a little bit blocky and you gotta smooth out the edges. And that can happen at any time in life. Mm -hmm. So focusing on developing yourself, then you'll become the natural. But if you're born with it, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. Do you think anyone then can make a million dollars from your experience? 100%, I think so. Whatever background you have, it doesn't matter. Especially absolutely. in America, I think, right? Absolutely, but if we go back to the analogy of the clay, if I say anybody, some of us, if we had, we didn't have the leg up in the beginning, we're more blocky. Mm -hmm. The hardest part for a person to move forward is to look at themselves and realize, where do I need to fix myself? What leadership qualities do I lack? Am, am, I, am I too emotional? Do I get angry too easy? Am I dismissing people to where I'm not able to build a good team? So until you look in yourself, look at your own piece of clay and say, how do I need to reshape myself? What, what is working for this person? What's working for that person? Um, that's why I do like, I watch these videos too, because I'm always trying to learn from other people. Mm -hmm. How can I look at myself and, and reshape myself while I'm still moldable? When you were doing that overtime, I believe you mentioned it was like a year and a half, right? Where you had to go and work yourself long days, long weeks, long months. How did you not burn out? If you're just working for the same sake of working, I think you're gonna burn out a lot faster than if you have a goal in mind. I see. So I think in that time period, since I knew I had a goal and I paced myself, meaning I knew I gotta hit this by this and that's my deadline, I didn't think about burnout. I just looked inside and, and worked harder and, and, and continued that work. You did what was possible or impossible at times to just get there. In one sentence, what was your goal? At that time, it was essentially to save up the capital needed to execute the plan, because that was the next big hurdle. Mm -hmm. and, and look for opportunities that'll pay you more, stay focused, and then get to that goal by that deadline. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received? I know there could be a lot. What's one that stands out to you? I once heard that you should only keep a job long enough to learn what you can from it, and then at that point, it's time to move on. All right. Uh, I've taken that to heart because what that tells me is you want to avoid falling into a routine where you're doing the same thing day in and day out. Hmm. Now, sometimes there's a time for that when you're building capital, when you're trying to master something, but you have to know when the time is right that, okay, it's time for me to take on the next challenge or something new so I can continue to learn. Continue to develop and grow. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. Looking back, would you say that all the hard work, all the sacrifice was worth it? You know, eight years now into it, uh, would you do anything different, AK? Not at all. Not at all, there's still so much to learn. It's, it's always worth it mm -hmm. because we talked about developing yourself. How do you do that? Through sacrifice and through hard work. People are sometimes afraid of the next challenge, but if you 
embrace every challenge you have, you're going to be ready for the bigger and bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. So I hope that whatever I've done to get to this point, it's preparing me for whatever my next challenge is and whatever my next venture might be. Yeah. If I want to diversify more or focus more on a certain area, but to another level. So I think it's always worth it. Life is meant to be a challenge. Imagine if there was no challenges in your life. It'd be so boring, honestly. Yeah, well, it would just be, it would be easy. no room for growth. Yeah. Right? It's really the hard times that we have. Sometimes things don't go our ways that we have a catastrophe or some problem that is thrown at us. But if we embrace it as like, look, I'll, I'll get on the other side of this and I know that I'll be stronger when I'm on the other side, we'll face it so much easier. Yeah. We won't stress out. We won't be down to the dumps. We'll just say, okay, it's a matter of time and picking my next step and executing that plan. Okay. What's your biggest takeaway from visiting the Amazonia? One is uh, so many different ways to live. At first I saw people in huts and, and, and hammocks and that was their home. And I instinctively felt sad for them. I'm like, wow, this is how they live. This yeah. is all they have. But after spending some time and then leaving, I started envying their simplicity because they were very happy people. And she realized you don't need a whole lot to be happy. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing was challenging my structure of how life and society should be and what brings contentness and happiness. But also it felt like I was on another planet. The animals out there were so crazy, <laughs> so weird. And big, beautiful so birds cool. with streaming tails. It gave me a fascination with biology and life. And I think that, again, started me with a passion to learn about all living things. What has been the absolutely happiest, proudest moment for you as a business owner? I'm sure there would be a lot. What can you think of? When you can offer something to people, uh, and sometimes you can do it for free, right? When I was just a doctor at another hospital, I can't give away a free this or a free that, because that's not mine to give away. I give away my services, but not tests and CAT scans, but when I owned my own facility, I can do anything I want. So if somebody doesn't have the funds to pay for something, no problem, come on in. Nobody's gonna stop me from using my materials, my equipment to help them. So I think when I got to that point, when my staff trusted our own facility and trusted our doctors and myself to help their families, I think that was a very proud moment. And then in other industries, like this rooftop lounge, it's proud when, when people say, hey, I want to throw my birthday party at your place. And yeah. you get to set it up for them and throw a good party and they'll create memories that they'll never forget. That's awesome. It's good to be a host. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would you say the secret is to a happy life, AK? What do you think? The secret to happiness. Is it money? Is it Diablos in your garage? Is it mansions on the Florida, Houston beach? What is it? People ask me like, hey, what makes you happy? But I actually don't think of life as terms of happiness. I don't. I think it boils down to more of contentness, right? And maybe that in some way being content leads to makes yeah. you feel happy, yeah. right? Because drugs and partying can make me happy. True. Is that gonna be the secret to happiness? So there's a contentness in, in how you're proud of yourself, I think, that makes you happy. And it doesn't come from money, it doesn't you come from cars, that. right? Yeah. Because if someone gave me a bunch of these cars, I don't think I'd be content. I'd have some fun for a while, but then when I feel discontent in myself and that I wasn't able to earn or achieve anything. So I think this, people see the cars and they think that's happiness. Now that's just the fruits of labor and that's yeah. what your goal is yeah. and that's what your passion is. Even if you don't make a dollar, but you're always striving to better yourself and learn things, I think you'd always be happy because you'll always be content with yourself. Because I see a lot of millionaires that are very depressed. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people with very meager resources that are super happy. So remembering that, the, the, the secret to happiness is just being content in yourself and not what you have around you, not the material stuff. That if you strip it all away, people say, man, I like that guy or I like that girl. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good person. You'll always find happiness. That's well said, my friend. We love 
uh, hearing from other entrepreneurs as far as the books they love, the books they've learned from. So what are some of the recommendations uh, from you to our audience? If one book stood out, it was actually back in junior high. All right. It was a book called uh, The Mouse and the Motorcycle. <laughs> okay. What's the story there? In short, it was about a mouse, but in the real world, not in the mouse world. And it could think, and it was about that mouse, and he really wanted the motorcycle, and he, he wanted to ride it around and explore the freedom. And something about that character, about exploration, maybe I felt like an outsider as a kid, an outsider doing his own thing, not worried about what everyone else is doing, and just trying to achieve my goal. Maybe I could relate to that mouse. Hmm. And for some reason, that book always stuck with me. Just okay. find your motorcycle or whatever you like and explore the world. Yeah, check that book out. You've seen our channel before. Our goal is to inspire, to educate, to bring the best valuable intel to you guys. How do you think this episode with you and your story will do that for our audience and anybody else watching? Well, you know, I've learned from so many people and also observing other business people in videos that you guys have posted and some other videos I've seen. I hope when you hear somebody else's story, hopefully through the course of this conversation, we can come up with some of my historical information, the problems I faced, the things I did right, and hopefully that can inspire or point somebody in the right direction so they can take the first couple steps to getting into business or take the first couple steps to expanding their business. Mm -hmm. AK, it's been absolutely my pleasure to yeah, get into know here, you, man. spending a whole day. We wish you all the best. Appreciate you, man. Great talking to you. Likewise. What an incredible journey. If you're feeling inspired to build your own empire, make sure to check out episode 163. This entrepreneur took her last $5 bill and turned it into a $10 million empire with cupcakes. I'm not kidding. Take a second to like and subscribe, and we will see you next time.